Good afternoon, Seattle. Good afternoon to San Francisco. Good afternoon to Mexico City. Good afternoon to Buenos Aires. Good afternoon to Lawrence, Kansas. Is anybody out there? Good afternoon to Boston, Beantown. Good afternoon to Hotlanta. How are you doing, people? How are you out there in Scrumboland? Are you grabbing life by its testicles and having a squeeze? It is March the 15th, 2021. It's right around 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here in Seattle. Out, If you can hear the noise outside, that's just construction workers unimpeded by the plague. They've never stopped since the plague began. They have magical antibodies that allow them to smoke cigarettes and fuck hookers. Yes, construction workers, truckers, bankers, doctors, and everyone making bombs, they're all magically immune. community yeah so we were told we were told a year ago we were told a year ago by the masters of the interplanetary realm sector Z resource district 39-yankee also known as planet earth we were told by the resource masters of planet earth that we had to shut it all down we had to shut down all the stores and all the coffee shops. We had to wear masks, maybe three masks, maybe two, maybe five. We don't really know yet, do we? We were told that all the small businesses were, you know, fuck you, small business. That's what we were told to save one life. Fuck you, suicides. Fuck you, cancer treatment. Fuck you, diabetes. I call it sugar herpes. We were told that in order to save some abstract COVID life that, to my knowledge, no one's actually really proven in any deep philosophical sense to be the case for me, that it even exists. I know there's a lot of 
propaganda that people use as evidence, but I'm talking about actual evidence and observation. And from what I can tell so far, the data doesn't support the plandemic, scamdemic, shamdemic, COVID-19 monkey herpes, Tide Pod challenge. The data does not support it. The data doesn't. And, and where there is a spike in dead people that they can't cover up, it looks a lot like murder, suicide, cancer, heart disease, drug overdose, a lot of deaths from desperation and sadness and hopelessness. And these are caused by COVID, but not by the magical fucking monkey herpes. These are caused by the actual reaction to the bullshit, mindfuck, psyop, monkey herpes. The response to it. That's right, brothers and sisters. We have to shut down the world to save one life. But now we have a new message, a new message from the masters of our resource zone. Coming from the very top, top level, the, the very top floor. The floor where they work out the way to beat us and poke us and drown us in debt and sadness and loneliness and to shove toxic things into our faces and up our butts. Yes, on that top floor, they figured something out. It's okay if some people get the Bell's palsy blue screen. It's okay if some people get massive coagulation and have strokes. It's okay if kids just drop dead after getting the magical monkey herpes mRNA operating system Bill Gates blue screen vaccine. Because if it saves one vaccine, eh, a few people can die. If it saves one vaccine, babies, old moms, dads, homeless people, prisoners, definitely prisoners, especially if they're Uyghur prisoners in Western China. This is an article I am reading. I'm going to read this article here. It's from it's from Sky News, 
published on March the 12th, 2021. Headline, headline, COVID-19, colon, Oxford AstraZeneca jab. And remember, jab also means punch. Ostra, Oxford AstraZeneca jab is, and I quote, excellent, and no reason not to use it, says who? And before I continue to read this article by Ian Collier, isn't that a funny headline? COVID-19 colon Oxford AstraZeneca jab is, and I quote, excellent, and no reason to use it, and no reason not to use it, says who? Says who? I think that is the fucking question. Who is telling us to take these fucking vaccines? A World Health expert said, a World Health Organization expert said, you can translate this as a person that reports to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation said. And I read on. It is being checked by scientists after some countries pause distribution of it over a small number of reports of blood clots. However, spokeswoman Margaret Harris told a Geneva briefing, and I quote, No causal relationship has been established between the shot and health problems reported, calling the pause in use a, quote, precautionary measure. And I continue to quote, It's very important to understand that, yes, we should continue to be using the AstraZeneca vaccine, she said. And I read on. All that we're looking at is what we always look at. Any safety signal must be investigated. It is very important we are hearing safety signals. Because if we were not hearing about safety signals, that would suggest there is not enough review and vigilance, she said. And when you hear safety signals, dear listeners, I'm going to pause reading here for a second. When they use the the term of art, or rather the euphemism, safety signals, they mean trauma monkeys. They mean trauma. They mean more mind control trauma. If they wanted to hide the vaccine reactions, and I know I sound like a dead horse, so go ahead, take me down the street, shoot me in the head, and cook me over a barbecue. If they wanted to hide the vaccine injuries, if they wanted to hide the truth. They've known how to do this for decades. Most of their best fucking ideas came from the Nazis. So they could hide it. They could keep us from seeing videos of people who were alive yesterday or pictures alive yesterday, dead today. They could hide the people falling over sideways. If they wanted to hide it, they could. Listen to her language. It is very important we are hearing safety signals, but let me, let me translate. It is very important we are hearing trauma monkeys because if we were not hearing about trauma monkeys, 
that would suggest there is not enough trauma monkey going on, she said. Fucking ugh. But Dan, my friend's great uncle's nephew's brother's cousin, who was traveling to France, met a dude whose brother's sister's uncle got the COVID and died. Okay, okay. Denmark, Norway, Iceland, Bulgaria, and now Thailand have said they were temporarily halting all Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccinations to investigate reports of blood clots among people who have had the jab. Italy also followed Austria, Estonia, Latvia, Luxembourg, and Lithuania in banning jabs from one particular batch of one million Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccines, which was sent to 17 countries after reports of a death. However, officials in Germany and France have said the vaccine was safe and that it will continue to be used. AstraZeneca, which produced the vaccine with Oxford University, has insisted there is no evidence of an increased risk of pulmonary embolism or deep vein thrombosis. Uncle Dan's got some of those because of the sugar herpes. The drugs firm said in a statement that the occurrence is an actual fact significantly lower in those who have been vaccinated than what would be expected among the general population. The UK's Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, MHRA, has said there is no evidence to suggest the vaccine causes blood clot problems and that people should still get their coronavirus jab when when invited, invited invited to do so. Okay, a cop showing up at your door threatening to take your children is now an invitation. Remember, we took the Cherokee to a reservation, okay? Like, hey, can I have a reservation for 20000 at El Gaucho's? Well, sure, when are you going to be here? Well, the U.S. Cavalry says it'll take a few months. And probably, even though there's 10,000 or 30,000 now or whatever, I'm thinking there might only be a few hundred by the time we get to El Gaucho's. The fastest way we can get there is this highway called the Trail of Tears. (sighs) Invited to do so. The European Medicines Agency has also backed the jabs safety and said there have been only 30 reports of blood clots among close to 5 million people given the vaccine across Europe. It said in a statement, and I quote, the vaccine's benefits continue to outweigh its risks and the vaccine can continue to be administered while investigation of cases of thromboembolic events is ongoing. My God, that's an amazing word. Thromboembolic. 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 
Are you standing outside? Where you going? Where you going? Thrombo and Bullock, are you standing outside? I'm here for you, waiting to die. Will you throw a clot and send me to the sky? Thrombo and Bullock events. So let's just, you know, substitute in your Python program with your regular expression. Let's use a little string substitution for thrombo and Bullock events is now substitute trauma monkey. And I'll read the statement again. In a, it said in a statement, the European Medicines Agency, the trauma monkey's benefits continue to outweigh its trauma monkeys. And the trauma monkey can continue to be administered while the investigation of new trauma monkeys is ongoing. Yep, 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 yep. Earlier this week, the EMA reported that one person in Austria was diagnosed with blood clots and died 10 days after vaccination. But stress there is, and I quote, currently no indication that vaccination has caused these conditions. Another person was admitted to hospital with pulmonary embolism, blockage in the arteries and in the lungs, after being vaccinated. Professor Anthony Harnden, deputy chairman of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization said, vaccine safety is critically important. Let me translate. Trauma monkeys are critically important. Let me translate. The public should have confidence that both trauma monkeys used in the UK trauma monkey program are safe, highly effective at preventing trauma monkeys, including the prevention of blood trauma monkeys caused by the trauma monkey. the whole article and if you want to read it without my translation at the very end where I substitute the word trauma monkey for where I see a reference to something that I would categorize as a fucking trauma monkey you feel free you feel totally totally free to do so okay that's that's what I think about the situation right now Um, you feel free to do so The next article that I am going to read um, is coming from the BBC, and it's a nice lead-in to a conversation we're going to have about property. But it's a nice sort of, you know, other side of the equation. This article was published on the 18th of April, 2019, so it's it's really a couple years old almost. And the author of this BBC News article 
if I can find the author, <laughs> maybe it's a computer-generated bullshit. I don't know. I can't find the author. It's just World Asia bullshit. Can't find the fucking author. I don't give a fuck. You can look at you can look at the link when I include it in the fucking notes, and I read on. A U.S. man and his partner could face the death penalty after they were accused of building a sea home off Thailand. Chad Elwartowski has gone into hiding with his girlfriend Supreni Thapdet after the Navy said they had threatened the country's sovereignty. Their home, which sits atop a 20-meter platform, is located around 12 miles off the coast of Phuket, 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 Phuket. But Mr. Elwartowski insists it is 13 miles from the shore and therefore outside of Thailand's jurisdiction. And I quote, The Navy and its team found a concrete tank floating on the sea, but there was no one in it, no one on it, police colonel Nikorn Somsuk told AFP news agency. He added that the Navy would meet local officials to, to consider what to do next. The Navy said the couple had failed to seek permission from Thailand before constructing the home. If the couple are found guilty of violating Thailand's sovereignty, they could face life in prison and even the death penalty. Mr. Elwartowski reportedly worked as a software engineer for the U.S. military before becoming an investor in the virtual currency Bitcoin. Eh, there's some weird things about you, Mr. E. The couple belonged to the so-called seasteading movement, which promotes the construction of homes in international waters so that they are not subject to any country's laws. They are also part of Ocean Builders, a group of entrepreneurs who work to fund such homes. In a video posted in February of 2019, Mr. Elartowski said the community was a place where, and I quote, freedom-loving people can all gather together and actually be free. The disputed structure was built that month, but was only discovered by the authorities this week. And again, this article is dated April 2019. A statement published on the Ocean Builders website says the couple did not build the home themselves and were in fact just tenants. They spent a few weeks on the seastead and documented their adventure, it said. They were in no way involved in the design. Mr. Elwartowski told AFP that a couple were now hiding in a fairly safe place. Well, that's good. How common is this? The number of homes... You know, I'm going to let you guys read the rest of this because I've talked about seasteading um, with my friend Jim and my friend Mike and other friends of mine who I talk about on the... I talk about... Who I talk about... And I talk with on the Little Saigon Report. Seasteading is wonderful. It is a wonderful concept. I love the idea. I do think there is kind of a crooked, broken morality at play in a lot of thinking these days. Libertarian and statist, freedom-loving and authoritarian. There's a weird, crooked, crooked morality, and we'll get into that next. Here's my view on the seasteading. I think, as a matter of principle, we should consider ourselves stewards of the property we have and stewards of the air and the air and the land and the water we impact. Another way of putting it, if I bought a farm that was on a river, I don't want a government or a cop or a sheriff. I don't want force to make this happen, but I will do what I can to make sure I never dump poison in that river. 
I will make sure I do everything I can to have a buffer green zone. So whatever shit I'm using, if I'm farming, especially if I'm using Norman Borlaug type techniques to farm, I will do what I can to make sure that poison gets nowhere near the river. But the fact is, I'd never Norman Borlaug it because that is treating the soil like shit and the air like shit and the water like shit. And that comes back to haunt you, fucker. So yeah, I'm a big supporter of seasteading. I actually think a great seasteading movement would be to say to the United Nations, the world government, you guys have treated the oceans like shit. Fukushima was one of the best examples of how you don't give a fuck. Give us the opportunity to seastead and we will clean up your fucking mess. I think that could be made to work. I think it could even turn a profit. But it would never be allowed because it's an actual solution. It's not trauma monkey anymore. It's not a trauma monkey. It's not a law. It's not a committee. It's not a cop. It's not a lawyer. It's people trying to solve problems, using engineering, using actual science. We could clean up the oceans while at the same time building free societies. We could take all that fucking garbage and we could turn those things into floating archipelagos. We could give rest and respite and create ecosystems for fish that have been cooking and frying under all the government poison. These are things that could happen in a free world. These are things that could happen in a rational world, even if it isn't totally free. But if you happen to live in our world that is chuck full of crazy and also chuck full of people who want to hire a cop to beat their neighbor, then yeah, that doesn't really work. I don't know anything about Mr. Elwartowski. I don't. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. I don't know what the current state is. Like, it's been a couple years, so I don't know. He could be in jail. He might not be in jail. I probably could have found a better link for this, but um, the fact is, I think that people should be able to do that. And also, I think that people, wherever they live, should consider themselves stewards of the air and the water and the soil. I don't think we should treat these things like crap. I don't want a law. I don't want a cop to go on your property. If you're going to be the one scumbag in my neighborhood, in my community, that decides to pour poison into the river, I don't want a cop because I'm pretty fucking certain that reality will, will work its way out, will work its way through. There will be justice. If you think you can poison your neighbor's water, I promise you, you will find out that that is not the case in a free world. In the world we live in, somebody hires a lawyer, somebody, somebody passes a law, somebody gets a cop, and then what you end up with is you end up handing out flyers to Asian Americans in South Seattle saying, don't eat the crab in the Duwamish. And that is all the taxes and the lawyers and the court cases and the research papers. That's what all that bullshit led up to in our world. In our world, someone can poison the fuck out of the world as long as you get a flyer that tells you to not eat the fucking crabs. Well, that's fucking great.
I wanted to read that article because we're going to talk about property rights a little bit here. And I'm going to start out with a, with a thought experiment, but I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something really important. I'm going to ask you, no matter what your moral principles are, I'm going to ask you to think in terms of what would actually happen. Like, what is reality? Like, for example, there are people who think that healthcare is a right. Like, you have a right to be able to go to a hospital, you have a right to a doctor, but nothing in the natural world like that ever fucking happens. Nowhere in nature does such a right exist. So there is no plausible way to say, oh, this could happen, this could function. So what I'm asking you to do in this little conversation about property rights is, is be fucking consistent. And if you're going to mock a fucking healthcare idiot, a uh, healthcare's a right idiot commie for being a moron, then consider the possibility that there may be some things that you expect as a kind of commie that you have not considered. Especially if you believe in intellectual property rights. And that's a topic for another day. Let's say you had three one-ounce Canadian... Canadian gold coins, okay? Canadian mint gold coins. Three, let's just say three one-ounce coins. Let's just keep it one-ounce gold coins, three of them. You put one in your pocket, because they don't weigh that much, by the way. All you bit, you're like, hey, you're going to carry your gold around? Dude, all my money that I currently have would fit into way less than one gold coin. Shut the fuck up. I could shove that up my ass, and that works when the electricity's out. Is that true of your Bitcoin, buddy? Do you have your little USB mining butt plug? I don't know. Maybe you do. Yeah. Let's say you have three gold coins. And you take one of those gold coins and you put it in your pocket. And then you take the other two gold coins and you leave them on a bench in Pioneer Square at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. And then... You're just not going to see them for a couple days. You're going to you're going to be back on Monday to pick them up to to take them back with you, but for two days they will just be sitting there in the park bench by themselves. You didn't hire a cop, you didn't hire a security guard, you didn't hire a private army. Just the gold coins sitting on the fucking bench. No matter what your feelings are about ownership, because you do own the coins, dude. You do. Just like if you left something else there, like food. Oh my God, you can't compare food to gold, Dan. Yeah, I can. I think at this point in human history, I will compare food to gold. You could leave food on that park bench, okay, and then be gone for two days. And let's say it's canned food, so it wouldn't matter if it was sitting there. And it's gone. Are you going to be super upset? Frankly, if I accidentally left food on a park bench... If it was still there two days later in Pioneer Square, I might check the cans and ask myself, should I be eating this? Because the fact is, hungry people will grab that bag of food and they will eat it, period. And so if I left the bag on the park bench and it was gone two days later, yeah, I guess you could say, wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where hungry people would take the bag of food and try to find a person they don't know who the fuck this person is and try to give them back their food. I'd love to live in that fantasy magical fucking world, but that world is not the real world. So you got two gold coins 
And these gold coins are on the park bench, and that's a lot of money. I haven't checked the latest gold prices, but at some point very soon, that's going to be four grand, two ounces of gold, and at some point maybe soon, it's going to be ten grand. You put those two one-ounce gold coins on the park bench. You return two days later, they are no longer there. Are you going to be morally outraged? Are you, are you going to waste any fucking time on moral outrage in 2021 over that? And keep in mind, you live on the same wretched, crooked Death Star with me. You live in the same central bank neo-Stalinist hellhole. You know as well as I do that it is a system of lawyers and bogus rules and lots of crooked deals. It is quite literally the institutionalization of organized crime. That is the system you live in. And you're going to get morally outraged if your two gold coins are gone. So let's talk about a different kind of property. Let's talk about land. You know, remember Lex Luthor? Talk about creative motherfuckers. Here's a guy that saw a land opportunity, I think, in in Nevada. He could buy a bunch of land in Nevada. If only he could trigger the San Andreas Fault. Can you do it, Lex? Superman. Is Otis blocking you with his bad energy? Oh, Otis, Miss Tessmacher. Miss Tessmacher in the 70s Superman movie, I think it came out in 78, Miss Tessmacher, fucking drop dead gorgeous. I must admit, in my teenage years, I married her a few times. Miss Tessmacher. I love you, Miss Tessmacher. Can your dress accidentally split open so your boobs spill out in my face? Fucking Lex. Lex, fucking Lex. Everybody wants to be Lex. Anyways, Lex had a grand scheme. He'd buy his land in Nevada. He would trigger the San Andreas Fault with an accidental nuclear explosion. There'd be a giant super mega earthquake. California, for the most part, Southern California. And let's just be clear on this. Some of the shittiest parts of of California. (laughs) Some of the crappiest parts of California slip into the ocean. And no, 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 no. I don't think that that's a good thing. It's not moral. It's not principle. That is an example of using force and stealing and theft. That is theft. It's a very complicated form of theft. Welcome to 2020 and 2021. Best case scenario, you are living through the biggest robbery in human history. It's complicated. You kind of have to have a PhD in bullshit. But you are living amidst the biggest robbery in human history, and that is if you are lucky. And maybe it's the reset from the biggest robbery, and that is if you are lucky, in my opinion. I think a lot, lot worse than that's coming, folks. A lot worse. So you, on the other hand, are not Lex Luthor. You buy a piece of farmland in Nebraska. And I don't know if Nebraska is a good place or a bad place. So substitute your favorite fucking state. 
and you buy like 100 acres, and one day you might retire, one day you'll build a cabin, one day never comes. It just sits there. You don't really pay any property taxes because it's in a county without any property taxes. It's just sitting there. And then everything goes to hell. And when I say goes to hell, I mean you live in Seattle and those hundred acres are in Nebraska. And you, you know, the phone systems start out unreliable. And then a few months later, they basically bleep out of existence. Yes, yes, yes. You've got military intelligence cars driving around saying, soon we'll restore the cell network. Soon we'll, we'll restore communication. But that is a PSYOPs trailer, not a friendly message center, okay? Um, the electricity becomes unreliable. The roads become impassable. It could even be the super status bullshit, where it's a commie takeover, okay? Here's the question. If some motherfucker, a commie, a Pol Pot, a, 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 a five-and-dime, mediocre Napoleon of the Midwest, or some crook or some thief, or maybe just a bunch of fucking hungry people who want to sit on some land and maybe grow some potatoes so their kids don't die. Because that's a scenario we're looking at too, brothers and sisters, if I may be so fucking bold. If that happens, is it wrong? Is it wrong that people squatted your property without your knowledge? Is it wrong that they did that, that they usurped that? Yes, it is wrong. And I'll tell you what, I would be willing to wager that most people in situations where they steal food or try to find a little bit of warmth some night or the best place to fucking poop so they don't die, I think most people are not trying to hurt people. They're just trying to survive in a wretched situation, in a civilization that no longer has exits, in a civilization where the frontier closed a hundred fucking years ago, and all these other frontiers they tell you about are really just ghettos. They're not frontiers. And if space is a frontier, it is a limited frontier, statistically speaking, so far. Okay? So you've got 100 acres in Nebraska, and you have no means of observing your property. You have yourself no, really, no real resources because you've lost money and you've lost stuff, and your own situation is tenuous. If five years later things are, le or, are more stable and you go to that piece of property, what are you going to do? If, and, and, and if you're a Christian... This might be a good time to think about the parables, because in a way, this is a kind of parable, but I'm not Jesus. I'm just a dumbass, middle-aged burnout in little Saigon. But let's say five years later, God bless, we make it through some kind of chaos. And you can get in your whatever, steam-powered car, or rocket car, or hyperloop tube, and you can travel to Nebraska, and you can go to that piece of property, and you look at it, and you see a family there. Actually, you see several families. This is scenario one. You see several families. You see them treating the water with respect. You see them treating the soil with respect. You see them treating the air with respect. You see them 
at least as far as food goes, prosperous. They have a little trading stand. They're making money. And you go up to them. You didn't call the sheriff because maybe the sheriff is now a, it's now a robot sheriff. Yes, the robot sheriffs of 2035 are going to drive you insane. They'll be the robot sheriffs of the night, but just like David Hasselhoff, they'll have their own secret game. Robot sheriffs will be sexy and haughty and naughty and cloddy, just like the vaccine. Robot sheriffs of 2035, coming soon. No, you go to your property in 2035, years after whatever the fuck happens, and you sit down with the group, and, and I'm hoping they're anarchists, which means you're just basically sitting down with the adults and having a, a conversation. And the adults are there, the moms and the dads and the elder children. And you say, listen, I bought this property. Here's the deed I have. I do have this. And here's something you find out. And listener, libertarian, my roads and my cops you need to fucking listen to what i'm saying if you're a minarchist and you just want a cop to go around beat people up to give you back your money please fucking listen i think the most likely scenario scenario one they researched you they found out that you own the land they saved money for you they had gold and silver waiting for you you can call me naive and say, oh, scenario one would never happen. Well, in a shitbird world, in our world, the world where I'm probably going to be homeless here pretty soon, in a dirtbag reality, you're right. What they'll do is they'll hire communists to march around your neighborhood, and they'll, they'll drop your property values, and then they'll demolition a homeless shelter and probably kill a bunch of homeless people and say it's the fucking COVID. In this world, that's what they do. But in a free world, a decent world, maybe I'm naive in the world I think is possible. What if when you showed up at your property and maybe you're angry, maybe you're enraged, maybe you're pissed off, even though it looks like a great thing they're doing from the perspective of what they're doing, it's still your property. And they sit down with you and they know your name. And they show you the kids that didn't starve. Because they used your 100 acres to just not just be there, you know, waiting. They used it so people wouldn't die. What do you do in that first scenario? Well, here's what I think. I think that if I were a good Christian, which I don't know that I am, I would sit down even if I were angry. I would see what they were saying. And then finally they would say, listen, it's your land. What do you want to do? I would say, listen. Let's come up with an agreement for whatever back rent you would owe. And then maybe let's keep this going and figure out a way to share this. Because it looks like what you're doing is cool. And it's feeding people. And it's, it's a healthy thing to do with the land. And you're respecting the resources. It looks like there used to not be a forest. And now there's a forest you've started. It looks like you're actually, actually being stewards to a beaver, a beaver pond that's going to become a small lake. So you're actually restoring the ecosystem and bringing back vitality. So what I would hope is I was a good Christian. I would say, listen, let's agree upon past rent. And man, I don't want Bitcoin. I mean, you know, although I don't think there would be any at that point. 
but I'll take the gold and the silver and I'll take a food agreement. So periodically I get to get some food. I'll figure out how to ship it. You don't have to figure that out. Um, but I want a food agreement and let's do that. Let's come up with a fair way for you to live here, not be tossed into the nowhere land, to keep doing the cool things you're doing and for me to get paid. Now, scenario two is worse. And, and scenario two is the one that people who want a, sometimes referred to as a security guard or watch, watchman society, watchtower society. There are libertarians who just assume have Pinochet in charge and have a bunch of cops who only enforce property rights. The problem is once lawyers are involved, the concept of property rights gets really, really, really gross. So people want to say, well, we can have Pinochet and we can have helicopters and we can have cops and just a few property rights laws, but then you're going to have lawyers probably. And once you involve the lawyers, you're fucked. Okay. In the second scenario, the one that I think I must admit is probably equally likely. So just because I prefer scenario one and just because I do want to believe it's more likely, it's probably more like 50%. There's basically two basic scenarios. They can break down, but two basic ones. In the second scenario, your shit has been ripped off. And let's not think too deeply on who ripped it off. Could have been commies. Could have been crooks. Could have been schemers. Could have been people who went ahead and dumped toxic waste on your 100 acres. You weren't there. Remember, folks, the, the lesson of this little discussion, which we'll get to at the end again, is that you're not there in a functional sense whose property is it. I know morally it's yours, but if you have no functional basis to control ownership, who owns it? Let's leave that for the end. In the second scenario, and let's just pick a version, a sub-scenario, because there's lots of sub-scenarios for scenario two. Scenario two, you could have the Pol Pot Nazi commie. You could have the scumbag dictator Crookadula. You could have the governor Boblobek and all the other socialist crapola. You could have road warriors and road, th road thieves and fucking Canadians in the second scenario. But in that scenario, they took your property or trashed it. And let's just assume they took it. In this sub-scenario, they took it. Somebody took your, took your property. They put up a fucking fence. Actually, no. They listened to my podcast. They, they ring the property with large boulders. And then outside the boulder perimeter, anchored triple-strand concertina wire. Yeah, around the whole hundred acres. And then inside... They're breeding wild, they're breeding dangerously mean dogs for dog fighting. And you don't like that. You kind of are a dog person. You think that's terrible. They're basically monstrous, disgusting people. They took your land. One of their f fucking sideways, slack-jawed freaks comes out and says, Fuck you, get out of here. Oh, we know who you are. And fuck you. And leave. And here's what's worse. In this scenario, let's assume you're broke. In fact, for both scenarios, let's assume you're basically broke. So for scenario one, you're broke. And because something happened that can happen in a free world, because people can be rational and decent and kind, in scenario one, you were broke, but you were restored. 
through humanity, through liberty, through kindness. In scenario two, you're broke, but you're basically being told, fuck you. You're broke, you're penniless, you're almost out of resources. Not totally, but almost. You still have friends. You still have a community of people you know, but you don't have a lot of money in scenario two, in scenario two just like scenario one. But in two, they're telling, fuck you. They're saying, this is ours now. We took it, we took it, we took it. And this is where I want to play the devil's advocate. I believe in the non-aggression principle, and it's why I'm opposed to all forms of illegitimate force, but that doesn't mean I don't believe in self-defense. In fact, self-defense is more or less a kind of actionable moral corollary to the principle of non-aggression. If you're going to support the principle of non-aggression, then you must recognize that everybody has a right to defend themselves, at least in terms of one degree of separation from a bully that seeks to harm them. That is an essential right that you have. That's not complicated. That's something you find in nature. Okay? This is why this is not complicated. That is a, a built-in right of existence, of life it, itself, really. So, in scenario two, you don't have a lot of resources. And guess what? In all the scenarios we're discussing, the government has basically failed so we're basically in a kind of low government environment. Yeah, there's some government here and government there, but for the most part, it's kind of just, you know, a very free society at this point. But in scenario two, you do have bullies who took your property, and they're saying fuck you, and they're doing crooked shit that you think is disgusting. I'd say that I don't know how you do it, because frankly, this applies to both scenarios. I don't know how you do it. Government's not going to do it. I don't know how you do it. Government's not going to help you. Lawyers are not going to really help you, okay, in the end. They're not, not in this scenario. No lawyer's going to help you. I don't know how you do it, but I believe you have a right to take back your property. I do. I believe you have a right to use force to take back your property. Do I believe you have a right to institutionalize an army that goes around enforcing property rights for a fee? No. I think that's when that one degree of separation rule breaks down, okay? That is not something I think you have a right to. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying there's no right there. People will hire mercenaries. People will hire security. I got to say, if you have property in the world right now, you should be thinking about hiring security, especially if that property is not within a day's driving distance. Because a day's driving distance could easily become a month's walk at some point in the future. So in the second scenario, if you are able to contact your friends, your buddies, like I have a friend named Jim. If you've listened to my podcast, you've probably heard of him. He's a, good, he's a really good man. I have another friend named Mike. He's a really good man. I think these, these, I don't know if they would be ready to join my army to get back my land, but I know that they're the kinds of people that would do that. And I also know there's a lot of people out there 
who believe in property rights in the ethical sense, which means there's skin in the game, which means it's not just about having a bunch of people who can be tough and violent. It's about building community. You want to know the riddle to the puzzle at the end of the day for the two fucking gold coins? It's not that fucking complicated. I have lived in communities where if I left two gold coins on a bench, number one, they wouldn't be there. Number two, someone would have picked them up, put them in a lost and found, would have announced they found two gold coins. And the likelihood that somebody would say, oh, they're mine and lie about it was pretty much zero. I have lived in communities like that. I don't want to list them. I don't want to label them because frankly, that gets complicated. But I've lived in places where I, if I left two gold coins on a park bench and people knew that those things were worth a lot of money, I have lived in places where people would return the property. That's not a law, brothers and sisters. That's not a cop. That's not a helicopter with a machine gun or a spy cam. That is called human decency. That's called dignity, respect, and kindness. And I live in Seattle. Part of the riddle of the property and the scenarios, the two scenarios, part of the riddle is this. The ultimate form of security, and this is something you find in nature, brothers and sisters, and you also find it in the Bible, which seems to me to be a kind of indubitable, an indubitably true thing. If you find it in the Bible and in nature, it's probably a really fucking great idea. The basic way you protect your property, whether it's two gold coins or a camcorder or anything, is by building a community around yourself and participating freely in a community around yourself where people respect and maybe they don't always love, but people respect each other and understand the limits and the lines. None of that can be legislated. None of that can be forced. Now, can education of a proper sense help? Yes, but not public education, not commie education. It has to be cooperative and free and voluntary and age appropriate. But in a free world, do I think you can leave two gold coins on a bench? 
And in theory, they're either there on Monday or someone has returned them for them and got them back to you. Yeah, I think that that would happen. In Seattle, you're fucked. So if you're asking the question, to make a long fucking story short, Dan, if I have a piece of property, what are my rights and privileges over it if I don't live there? My simple answer is, dude, it's what you can fucking protect. You're either going to pay a local king a local general, a local fucking mayor, or you're going to pay a private security firm if you want to be sure. And even in that scenario, there are basic elements of trust that must function because yesterday's security firm becomes tomorrow's, you know, Gustavus Adolphus, all a 16th, yeah, no, 17th century, 30 years war kind of shit, mercenary fucking army. a mercenary fucking army. They start out as these security firms. So whatever you do decide to do to protect your 100 acres in Nebraska or your condo in Miami or your rundown piece of shit property in South Seattle that nobody can live in so you've locked it up, which means there's more homeless people, great. Whatever you're gonna do, you better figure that shit out yourself because that's the other side of this thing. One side of the solution is get amongst people who respect property, be amongst people who respect dignity and freedom. If you don't respect property, you're not going to respect human barriers. It doesn't mean be, be unkind. Actually, I think kindness is how you make this work. We should be kind. We should help each other out if times get hard. I believe that. It's not just about Christianity. Look at nature. As I said, look at nature, look at the Bible. People, nature, life will utilize the community for survival. It's not dictatorship. It's not communism. It's not the, the bugbear of altruism that Ayn Rand was so afraid of, supposedly. It's common sense to leverage certain behaviors in the social dynamic of social creatures. It's also why you don't see dictators amongst the squirrels. You don't see, well, I guess you do see alpha males, but you don't really see emperors of all gorillas, okay? Yeah, 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 you'll have a pack of fucking monkeys or gorillas, and they'll, they do that wretched shit, but, but at least in their case, it's mostly about controlling reproduction, and I gotta say, I don't, I, 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 number one, the orangutans probably have it figured out. The male orangutan probably has it all fucking figured out. I'll leave you to research that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know if it is such a great honor to be that guy. So I, I just leave that thought there. I don't know. I think being that guy is stressful in every fucking direction. Being that guy is probably not a great job. But on the other hand, maybe it's, maybe it's listen, you know, don't, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? <laughs> So these are the two pieces. If you want to solve this problem, okay? Piece number one, learn from the Bible if you can, learn from nature if you can, learn from common sense if you can. But you need to be amongst people. Not Probably being a hermit is going to put you in a bad boat just like being a... a be, you know what? Living in a wretched city is basically being a hermit in a functional sense. So let's just leave it there. 
but um, it, you know, not a good, you know, I, I'd like to live in a good city, but being in a wretched city, you might as well be alone, except for you're not, which makes it worse. You're basically surrounded by dangerous animals. That's what it's like living in Seattle, because every human you see, you just don't know. You don't know, you can't have any, you have no means of trust, and it just is fucked. But the first part of the solution, folks, is find yourself a community that respects freedom and liberty and dignity and each other. It doesn't have to be Christian. It doesn't have to be some weird cult. It can simply be people living together voluntarily in respect, kindness, freedom, dignity. And, and I would add, be good stewards of the air, the water, and the soil. And if you're doing these things, God bless you because God does. And if you're doing these things, that's how you build a better world, including spaceships. Oh, you can't, you can't do that, Dan, and still get to space. You know what? If someone were, to, were willing to give me $100 million, I know that's an ungodly amount and it'll never happen, but if someone gave me the equivalent of $100 million, okay, actually give me $50 million today, gold, silver, and then $50 million gold, silver, someplace in a bank in Iceland, okay, or someplace safe. I don't know what's safe. <laughs> Property dilemma. Um, I think I could take 50 million bucks and get the space in a way that, was, that is a lot less expensive than the way we've been doing it. And not because I'm super smart, but because A, I can recognize good solutions, and B, I think that I am good at building teams, at least, you know, certain kinds of teams. I think that's something that I am good at. I can find smart people. And if I can get enough smart people in the room, and if we can work together in an intelligent way, these are solvable problems. And you don't have to be living in a city to solve them. You know, Jim, in his novel recently, and in many of his podcasts with me, talks about... Um, the fourth industrial revolution and the new way in which industry works. And he's, he's dead on. He's correct. You can build decentralized factory systems. You can actually build systems now for building extraordinarily complex things, basically using distributed manufacturing and distributed integration. And frankly, if crypto, or rather the blockchain, if, if the blockchain has a kind of valid space, this is the valid space for the blockchain. And I'm going to say something nice about the blockchain. I think for managing the basic transactional relationships in the distributed factory, the blockchain could be very useful because it allows you to be outside of the financial system because in reality, you're just moving money from one account to another. But the problem is in the distributed system, there's no banks and also part of your factory might be 10,000, well, not 10,000, part of your factory might be halfway around the world. So what do you do? Well, the blockchain could help with that. I think it could. I'm going to say that one nice fucking thing about the blockchain, okay? In the case of managing the problem of the internal finance of a distributed factory, but the point I'm trying to make is really quite simple. You don't have to be living in a fucking city to do the hard things you think are so hard. That is part of the mind fuck. That is part of the trauma monkey. They tell you the only way we can get to the moon is by having mega cities and mega cops and mega pollution and mega toxicity, and that is mega bullshit. We can do great things without harming each other or harming the earth. I know you think that's crazy, some of you, not probably the ones listening, so I'm probably talking to the demons living in the wall. So to the demons living in the wall, 
We can do great things, folks. Amazingly fantastic things without harming each other and without harming nature. It is totally feasible, okay? We can build communities where leaving two gold coins on a bench just means a friend of yours has to walk another mile. Oh boy, I had to walk home tonight. I saw your gold coins. I thought about going to the track. No, he didn't. But the point is, yeah, the worst case scenario is probably a friend of yours knocks on your door and says, shit, did you leave this gold? And it's like, fuck, dude, thank you. Wow, did we just experience a little bit of how a free society would, could, should, can, must, will work? That's what I think about your problem about your slum house in Seattle that you don't live in. If there's a family that's freezing to death some night and you have no means of keeping them out, I don't know how to break this to you, moron. The family will break in. They will try not to die for the same reason the raccoon will break in, for the same reason the fucking squirrels will break in. Ah, yeah. Uh, Newsflash. The homeless people are not the only critters breaking in to your unmanaged slum house. topic because I did I beat a dead horse I beat a dead horse but we're almost done really so let's just celebrate that for a second because I know that some people who who listen to me and are also on Twitter will say well is this related to those tweets today and yeah it kind of is because people want to somehow take their belief well it's righteous that my property is protected and I agree But the problem is, what is the mechanism by which we would do that? I think it's righteous to not abort children. I don't think abortion is okay. I don't. But I also think it would be completely infeasible to go around arresting people to stop abortion. That would have the absolute worst consequences. Just as bad as Planned Parenthood. We shouldn't do Planned Parenthood. We shouldn't send cops around arresting people. I mean, if you want to self-fund Planned Parenthood, feel free. When I say we shouldn't do it, we shouldn't have a government that forces that crap on us. We shouldn't have a government that partially funds it. That should be a non-thing. We shouldn't hunt people doing abortions. We shouldn't help people do abortions. And if that bothers you, oh, Dan, isn't it a right to abort? I don't think it is. But also... I don't think you have a right to any medical procedure at all. And at the end of the day, if they knock on your door and demand you take a vaccine, and on one particular day you told told me, well, I have a right to medical procedures, well, guess what? The person knocking at your door also believes you have a right to take the medical procedure. You also have a right to remain silent. Anything you say or do against the vaccine contact tracer squad can be held against you in the tribunal court. You have a right to take this suppository temperature check system that I don't know. We may have shoved up 17 other people's a-holes tonight. You have a right to shove it up your butt. And 
And the same thing's true with property rights, folks. There are a lot of folks out there who think, well, we need to have special laws and special armies and special cops and special lawyers and special judges so that property rights, intellectual property rights, physical property rights are protected. And that's back-ass stupid. That shit never works the way you want it to. At the end of the day, the people that you pay to protect your property, they end up renting that property back to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the rent isn't always in taxes. Sometimes the rent is, you know, generalissimo. Instead of printing one peso, we'll print three peso. <laughs> hey, generalissimo, how many pesos are we printing today? Oh, trace, trace pesos. That's one way to tax people. Yesterday you printed, you know, uno, uno peso, un peso, and today you print tres peso, and then whatever Spanish is for a fucking god-awful, huge, gigantic, ginormous, up-the-butt amount of peso, that's what you'll be printing sometime in late 2021. Sometime in late 2021. So that's the thing about wanting to protect your property rights, is that, yes, I agree, you have property rights. I believe this morally. But I also think you have to ask yourself, what is the natural mechanism? And I already told you, I gave away the secret. A, you need to be amongst people that respect property rights. And B, ultimately, you are responsible. Whether you're an octopus collecting little shells in your little fucking condo at the bottom of the sea, I'm talking to you, octopus. You're so greedy, greedy with your shell garden. Did you guys know that octopus will have a shell garden, that they'll make these little cute little shell gardens? Octopus are very smart. I mean, they're also, you know, crafty and greedy and kind of materialistic. I mean, if there was a shell garden type Home Depot place, oh my God, <laughs> the octopus would go crazy. They would want that. They would live that. In fact, if the octopus people of the, of the Marianas Trench ever did invade the world, I think they would do two things. They'd be involved in collections and, you know, large-scale, big-box home construction project shit. Yeah. They'd buy Home Depot. They would buy Home Depot and all the credit agencies... They would have people on the phones, like fucking eight fucking tentacles, man. Eight lines. They could be they could be talking to three people about you, about people, about people, about you. Oh, your friend's a deadbeat. They won't pay. Your friend owes us money for that car loan. They won't pay. Your friend got a shitty college degree that they were suckered into by a broken society on the Death Star. And now they recognize how stupid that was, but also how shitty the whole thing is in the first place, and they cannot pay. Yeah, the octopus people would love that shit. Yep, and yeah, so, so folks, number one, find yourself a decent community. I'm beating a dead horse. Number two, the person ultimately responsible for having eyes on your property at the, in the, at the end of the day. I don't care if you delegate it to a security company or not. At the end of the day, the person responsible is you. You're responsible for your shit. And here's a news flash. If you have so much shit that you can't possibly keep track of it, 
then probably that is a good definition of too much. I mean, who wants to live that kind of life anyways? Who wants to be that fucking stressed out? You have so much that people could be stealing. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't, they, why, why wouldn't there be parasites feeding upon the body of your life if you don't even and can't see the whole thing? You know? So it is a thing to think about. If you want to know the definition of greed, greed ultimately is something that drives you crazy and it comes from having so much that you just can't keep track of it. It drives you insane. Octopus love their shell gardens, but they don't really bury themselves in shells. And we all need food, but we don't have to eat all the food. And it is good to have property, but probably in reality the world would not function if one person owned it all. I'm sorry, if you wanted to be the one world leader with a titanium gold silver codpiece, if I may stay on this topic longer, if you want to be known as Lord Zog, or Lord Trog, or Lord Trebulzek, if you want to be known as the final leader of the intersecting regions of the deeper realms of the Hollow Earth, and own all the property on Earth like, like you were the Vatican, and isn't it funny the Vatican is begging for money right now? Why don't you sell some of that property, Mr. Pope? Oh, we can't do that. That's part of the parish. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I shouldn't beat up on a Catholic church because I know that probably one or two people who listen to me are Catholic and say, Dan, you're a damn Protestant. If I could load up my wagon with gunpowder like it's the 16th century, okay? A hundred years before the Thirty Years' War and Gustavus Adolphus, if I could load up my wagon with gunpowder and drive it into your little little side gun home, I'd do it I'd do it right now. Yeah. Okay, Guy Fox. Yes, indeed. Next topic. Daylight savings time, colon. Daylight savings time, colon. One of the first trauma monkeys. You know, I know that daylight savings time was intended to conserve daylight for workers. It was intended to sort of help people out. I recall growing up that I don't think my dad liked it a whole lot. I mean, I think, it, I think he did what other people did. He grumbled through it. Like, it didn't seem like too big an insult. It didn't seem like the worst thing in the world, right? So he grumbled through it. Oh, you're crap. Now we gotta switch our clocks back and forward. Spring forward, fall back. Spring forward, fall back. Spring forward, fall back. Fall back, fall back. Spring forward, 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 fall backwards. Spring forwards, break your neck. Jump on top of the train. You'll go insane. Yeah. Daylight savings time. This is a Dr. Freckles quote, but daylight savings time colon, one of the first trauma monkeys. Daylight savings time doesn't seem like too much bullshit, but it kind of is bullshit, isn't it? 
I mean, if we lived in a free world, I'm going to blow your mind. I'm going to like completely blow your mind because if you do believe in a decentralized world, then there's a lot of things that we can decentralize and probably should. And I think one of them is the way in which we deal with time. I'm not saying we shouldn't have cooperative efforts for standard universal internet time based upon some atomic clock or decay. That'll probably happen in a free world because the geeks with the OCD will make sure it happens. They will have an internet clock. It will be a perfected, almost neo-Newtonian respectopolis, a, a constitution of the denial of Einsteinian butt wax. Yes, in a free world, I think the geeks and the dweebs and the freaks, they will set up the standard clock. So if you're obsessed with time, then you will know the time on planet Earth. And yes, it will be based upon a region, so it's localized, of course. But there'll be the standard time, like Greenwich Mean Time. In fact, in all likelihood, something like that would just stick around. We would have GMT. We would probably do the time zones exactly the way we do them now. The thing that I think would go away is shit like daylight savings time. But even more importantly, I think the way in which time governs our life would change. We currently live in this kind of neo-Stalinist quasi-planned economy, and time is this ruler. Time is this force. Everything is time management. But really, when you think about it, it should be about just management, which means optimization. And I don't know how to break this to you, but fast does not always mean and often does not mean optimal. Fast can often mean sloppy, shitty, crappy. It's kind of like the agile movement, you know, <laughs> like a bowel movement. A lot of people, including the creator of agile, who I think supposedly the project he discovered agile on, you know, he failed to make it work or something. I don't know. The story about that is as murky as Satoshi. Needless to say, I don't give a fuck about the story about that. What I will say is this, as I've seen Agile done in all of its little weird variants, um, what I have found is this mastery of optimizing towards the constant change in a business owner's daily breakfast. Which is to say that the Agile person will say, well, Dan, we're working according to the sprint. We're gonna deliver on what the customer wants for the sprint every two weeks, every two weeks. Well, that's great. And it's great that in an ideal world, the customer won't interrupt the sprint, which is bullshit. That happens all the time. I've never been on a sprint where something didn't happen, where something was interrupted. I've been told stories. It's like the magical COVID death. Somebody's uncle's brother's sister went through a sprint without being impacted by the, you know, by the business owners. Huzzah, huzzah. I've never seen it. Okay? Never, ever, ever. That's never happened in my knowledge, a sprint like that. But it's one of the golden rules of Agile, by the way. The one of the, really, the one you should not break. That the sprint is inviolate. Well, guess what? That is the first rule they break all the fucking time. But even if they didn't break that fucking rule, the Agile methodology is a really good example of optimizing to the wrong fucking thing. They're optimizing to the business owner, to the customer. And you might think that's wise unless you've ever built a complex system, unless you've actually ever built a system. It's actually kind of stupid. 
The reality is some of the most innovative, techn innovative technology that has ever occurred was not the result of consensus or committee meeting. It was the result of intelligent people coming up with solutions that work. And adoption is usually based on common sense, folks. If it works, people use it. If it's a piece of shit, people do not. It, it, I, that's generally true, and it will be especially true in a free world. So this whole time-obsessed world, we optimize to the wrong fucking thing. We optimize to something that it seems like it's smart. Let's get everything fast, fast, fast. And that's one of the reasons why economic growth is such a big boner for a lot of people, because it's a good example of how more and fast is better. And the fact is more is definitely not always better. And fast is almost invariably worse. Not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, fast almost always equals worse in engineering. There are rare examples of people rushing shit. Now, yeah, you can talk about Kelly Johnson and Skunk Works, but here's what I'll say. They were A, left the fuck alone. Like, I can promise you, their fucking wives and hookers didn't know what the fuck they were doing unless those guys broke their secrecy oath. They were left the fuck alone. That's number one. Number two, they had a huge budget. So to thinking about Skunk Works is like thinking about Willy Wonka, Fantasyland, Santa Claus fucking home in North Pole bullshit. Okay. So number one, you know, they were left alone. Number two, they had a gi ginormous budget. And number three, they didn't really work to time. They worked to delivery. In fact, the history of project management is the following. You set deadlines. But deadlines do shift. Why do deadlines shift? Because we live on planet Earth. Stuff happens. There's things you can plan for, and there's things you cannot. You know, some of us would love to believe we can plan for everything. That's what a Stalinist says. That's what a statist says. I can plan for every eventuality. No, you can't. God can, if you believe in God. But if you don't believe in God... That means the person that does it is nobody. There's nobody doing it, or there's God. That's it, but not you. You can't plan for everything. You can do the best you can do, but you can't plan for everything. So the first step to not fucking up a project, any project, I don't care what the project is, understand the fucking goals. If the goal is to build an effective piece of software, do that. If the goal is to keep a bunch of business owners happy because they had some weird avocado toast one morning for breakfast before Scrum Review, do that, okay? But understand what you're working towards, okay? If, I think if you want to build solid systems, that should be your goal, the, the solid system. How you get there, that's called tools. Frankly, Agile's not that great. Oh, Dan, you can't say that. Well, I did, and fuck you. And given the general level of engineering excellence that I've seen in the last few years, double, triple, fuck you. Yeah, so let's just drop daylight savings time and say the following. Um, it's stupid. I don't know why we do it. I, I think it's pointless. Nothing's saved. 
Oh, this is stupid. Boring mud water, soaring chud water. I'm tired of seeing people sell shit on the fucking internet that is basically their bowel movement or their bowel movement that somebody stepped in. I'm just really, really tired of that crap. Um, they're either selling their bowel movement uh, or selling the bowel movements of all the creatures in the ecosystem, which is in the soil, which is great. Soil needs to be healthy. And you know what? Kids should eat a little dirt. I don't think kids should eat nothing but dirt. Listen to what I just said. Having kids run wild to teach their immune system, friend from foe, is called healthy. And maybe if more parents did that, there'd be less other things like allergies and whatnot. We don't know. We don't know. It's the moon. We scapegoat the moon. The moon causes methane. The moon causes menses. The moon causes tides. I've talked about that already, so move on, Dan. Talked about the moon the other day. Next topic. So there's been this thing with which we, we read that article. There's been this thing with vaccine-related injuries. Um, and so if you don't know, you should research the vaccine thing because there's a lot of legal protections for that. It's one of the reasons why I use terms like neo-Stalinism. If we lived in a free society, people, well, kind of probably would get vaccines if that made sense. But if it makes sense, you don't have to force it on people. You really don't. Okay, not unless you have the mentality of a statist. Now, if you control public education and you can program people to be idiots, then I guess vaccines make sense and forcing it on people makes sense. But in a free world, no, people will get a vaccination if they want to. And listen, life has consequences. Okay, food is sometimes poisonous. You can have all the FDA regulations in the world. People still sometimes get E. coli from some beef they ate and die. I don't know what to tell you about that. That's, that is called life. Did no one give you this? Did no one have this conversation before 2020 with some of you if you react to that? Like, Dan, what are you saying? I am saying that the very moment you step out the door of your home, no, the very moment you, no, every second of every day could be your last second of your last day, no matter your age. That's reality. That's life. Did nobody have these conversations prior to 2020? Think about the goals you optimize to. You see, I, I think this is how I'm going to end this little podcast today. If you want to have a rational, intelligent relationship with your fucking world, then think about what you're optimizing to. Listen, I know I'm a bum. I know I'm a hobo. I know that technically right now, I'm optimizing myself that direction, but at least I'm clear on it. At least I know the consequences. I've accepted them. They're grim. But guess what? I think grim is going to be a good name for a lot of things in the coming years, unless there's a miracle. And I don't know as a Christian if we're going to get a miracle or not. I don't know. I pray, we pray, we pray hard. Jim, my friend, prays with discipline all the time. 
and we pray and we pray for love and we pray for the grace of God and we pray for Jesus Christ to save us. But at the end of the day, folks, God gave us free will. God allowed us to make choices. Okay, they said they were optimizing to this flatten the curve. They said they were optimizing so not one person dies. But you know something? Lots of people have killed themselves. Lots of people have died of stage four cancer that didn't have to. Lots of people have been murdered, in my opinion, because of the lie that somehow one or two lives were being saved. No, the truth of 2020 is that a lot of fucking people were murdered. A lot, a big number. Uh, you know, the number that they quote for COVID is the lie. The actual number of people killed by the lie, by the psyop, by the mindfuck, by actual murder, which probably did happen in nursing homes. Old people were probably put on respirators who shouldn't have been on respirators. Old people were probably mistreated. And if you mistreat somebody in an assisted living facility that might need to be turned over because they might have a bed sore, if you simply do malpractice, if you simply do nothing, a lot of folks at that age of life will simply die. I think a lot of people were killed in nursing homes. I can't prove it. I cannot prove it. But I believe that that happened. I do. In my heart, I sense that that happened. I sense that there has been murder. I have seen no evidence with the construction that this COVID bullshit exists. But I do believe there's evidence that there have been people that have been killed. If only through neglect. And if you think about it, neglecting a person that cannot barely move, that is 85 or 90 years old, that's in the assisted living facility, neglecting a person, putting on that mask, exposing them to brutalization at the end, to fear, to no smiles, to no touching. That's crooked. That's cruel. That's torture. That is evil. And if it turns out the reason you optimized to that goal was a lie, I would suggest reviewing your metrics. I think we can all do a better job setting goals. Part of setting goals is being completely clear on what they are, and part of setting goals is setting good goals. I think personally I'm good at clarity of goals. I, I am good at clarity of goals. The bad thing is, is that I do and have set terrible goals. I have. With foreknowledge, with understanding. I'll, I'll give you an example before we leave, brothers and sisters, before we leave this weird spirit journey of little Saigon. Let me give you an example. I expected, I believed, and I know this is going to sound crazy. You're crazy, Dan. I believed there would be shortages, and specifically shortages in beer and weed starting like last July. I expected to go to Chevron one day, and it wouldn't be a six-pack is 40 bucks. It would be, there ain't no six-packs, Dan.
That's sad. That's sad. Sad, sad, sad. So I set a stupid goal in 2020, a stupid, not righteous, not Christian. I mean, I'm not saying satanic, but not in alignment with a, a Christian life, with, a, with a, a life in alignment with the teachings of Jesus. I set a goal in 2020 to drink as much beer as I possibly could, to drink as much as was reasonable. I figured six packs a day I could do as long as I kept walking and I kept my other diet parts under control and I had some vitamins. I could do six pack a day. I could do that without really instantly killing myself. Problem is, is that it's been really, really claustrophobic -y, shut in kind of situation. I have not been getting the exercise I've needed. The most exercise I've had in the last couple of weeks was going up and putting up posters with my friend this last weekend. God bless my friend. Um, that was like the most walking I've done in weeks and it was great. And I put up posters for my new little sub-podcast, The Lost Lectures of Charles Manson, which, you know, is the zeitgeist right now. kind of the zeitgeist, you know, Charles Manson thing. Yeah, so I did not pick a good goal, folks. I picked a terrible goal. At the beginning of 2020, before the monkey herpes became a thing, at the beginning of 2020, before any of the race war bullshit was really spun up by the CIA and the deep state, I, was, I wanted to do creative writing and not the last lectures of Charles Manson. I was working on a creative writing fictional series called The Little Saigon Diary. I think I did five chapters, including audiobooks. They're still out there if you want to listen to them. If you want to listen to them, you can. You don't have to, you know? And I was going to do it chapter by chapter, publish chapter by chapter, do an audiobook, post to Amazon. I did that. And then the monkey herpes hit. And chapter six was going to be a really cool chapter. I don't even really want to give it away. All I can say is it was going to have to, it was going to, have to do with Antarctica, late 1940s, Bormann, Bormann, Hitler's Bormann. Yep. Yeah, it would deal with the Nazis in the late 40s in, in Antarctica, and that's all I want to say. And I'll say the battle for Antarctica. Um, that happened at that time. And again, this is fictional. This isn't real history. This is fictional history. This is the history of time, Hitler. If you read any of the Little Saigon Diary, you know about time, Hitler. Time, Hitler. You know what? <laughs> time, Hitler explains a lot of the wretched shit that go, that's going on right now. Or even Hitler's in, in the moon. Either Hitler in the moon or Hitler in time. But either one is frightening if, if, if Hitler has any power. Yeah, time Hitler. 
So I'm going to close out this podcast. And I'm going to say the following. I too need to pick better goals. I, I need to pick better goals. We all do. If our goal is to have a free society, then <laughs> anything we optimize towards the use of force is bad. It's going to end up with cops and gangs and chains and pipes and two by four with big old carpentry nails driven through them carried by hairless gorillas. If we choose force and violence and bullying and the state over respect and cooperation and freedom. We have a choice. We've always had a choice. This is the wretched thing about 2021 and 2020. And this is the beautiful thing about the works of Ayn Rand, especially the novel We the Living. We always have a choice. We do, in the end. We don't simply have to go on to the train. If our instincts tell us that at the end of the railroad is death, then we have a choice to not go in the bus, not go on the train, not go on the plane, don't get the vaccination. And yeah, guess what? YouTube won't let me post a video where I would give my opinion that I think this might be poison or placebo. It might be, in a lot of cases, completely inert bullshit, something that does nothing. I think probably that's what the Russians did, and I think randomly that's what we're probably doing right now. But the people that are getting something, they're not getting anything good. They're probably getting, you know, the mRNA operating system. That's probably a kind of, you know, psyop, truthful propaganda there. They're probably giving you some truth. But the real truth is what they're, they're going to do is they're going to harm you and they're going to harm your family and your friends. That's what I believe. And I believe it's a choice. You have a choice. I also believe you never had a choice to live in a world where you would never get sick. Anybody who told you that was a choice of yours was a liar and a commie and a cop and a narc. You never had a choice to live in a world where you might get sick or, or someone might come up to you and punch you in the face. You never had a, a, a right to live in a world where something bad would never happen to you. Folks, bad shit happens. This could be the last second of the last day of your life. Just like it could be for mine. You could have an embolism and it might not have anything to do with the vaccine. It might have to do with the fact that people have been sitting around dying for a year. That's my current theory. But you have your own theories of UFOs and Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Could be Bigfoot, could be the Kriegel. God forbid the raven, the crow, and the eagle somehow share their sperm and their eggs and, and breed some super raven that weighs 50 pounds and forms groups of 25 called an onslaught of Kriegel. And they sing really good, really great renditions of Frank Sinatra and Johnny Mathis and Ella Fitzgerald. And you'll hear them singing Ella in an alley some night. Like I said the other, other podcast, I'll say it again. You need to hear this. You need to hear the truth of it. 
you'll be walking down the street of your life on some grimy night of the Raytheon sky. And you'll be walking by an alley near Broadway and Pike. And you'll hear, you'll suddenly hear this beautiful rendition. Lullaby of Birdland. Dum, bum, bum. You're hearing Lullaby of Birdland. Sung by Ella. It's in the alley. It sounds like it's not Ella, but a beautiful voice. And you walk down the alley. And you see this gigantic raven that weighs 50 pounds singing on top of a dumpster. And it stares at you with its black eyes. Black eyes, dark eyes, a doll's eyes. And it stares into you like it's staring into the darkness. But that's what the Kriegel can do. It's smart as fuck. It can sing like Frank Sinatra. It can break you down like Sigmund Freud. Can you hear the pitter-patter? The pitter-patter of the Kriegel? And they can fly. They, they can fly, but they can also just walk really fast. And they look like little midget, midget folk wearing, you know, very formal outfits in the alley until you get close. And then you realize they're not midget folk. They're, they're Kriegel. And this will be your last second of your last day of the rest of your daylight savings time. <laughs>